0: It is a great blessing to have young people that can fill in. That's right. Amen, brother. Okay, folks, let me ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to read three short passages of Scripture. <clears throat> the title of my message this morning is Joseph's Garments. Genesis 37. Genesis 37. This is very familiar. This is uh, Everybody's familiar with these passages. Beginning in verse 1. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Billa and with the sons of Zilpah his father's wife, and Joseph brought unto his father the evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Okay, let's turn to Genesis 39, beginning in verse 7. Now, between the passage we just read in 39-7, Joseph has been sold into slavery, and he has become a slave to one of the chief officers in Pharaoh's government man by the name of Potiphar. <clears throat> and uh, he's doing a great job for Potiphar. Look, and then in verse 7, we pick up the narrative. And it came to pass, after these things, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused, and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master willeth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do to this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. So there's another garment Joseph. And finally, verse chapter 41. After he'd been in prison, he interpreted dreams, then interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, and Pharaoh promotes him to second in the land. Let's look in verse 42 of chapter 41. 41, 42. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. Father, please bless the message this morning. Use it. Oh, God, I pray for your honor and your glory. May it be an encouragement to us. May it be a challenge to us. And dear God, give us some good Bible principles. That would help us to be more like our Lord Jesus Christ because it is in his name we ask these things. Amen. I want to talk to you about Joseph's garments. The Bible mentions three garments of Joseph. We all remember his famous coat of many colors. But the garment he left in the hands of Potiphar's wife is not mentioned as much in sermons. Then there's the garments of fine linen which favor arrayed him with, befitting of his new appointed rank. I'm going to preach today about the garment Joseph left in the hands of Potiphar's wife. I'm just going to focus on one. But I need to explain a little bit about the other garments in this introduction. Now these garments are indicative. They are emblematic. They uh, foreshadow, you might say. The Christian. The code of many colors is a type of Christian salvation. Now don't get, don't, listen, I realize Joseph is the greatest type of Christ in the Bible. I found 75 instances where Joseph and Christ are alike. Peter Ruckman found 150. Others have come up with other numbers. <clears throat> but uh, this code here, is a type of Christian salvation. It prefigures. New Testament salvation. The Bible says. In Isaiah 61.10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me. With the garments. Of salvation. When you get born again. You're clothed with the garment of salvation. He covered me. With the robe of righteousness. I become Righteous. Not of my own self. But God has clothed me in that. And that is the garment of Christian salvation. This garment was bestowed as a gift. Joseph didn't do anything for it to earn it. His father just gave it to him. It was a coat of many colors. This speaks of all the races of mankind that this coat covers. God saves all mankind. And all colors. He, he is the God and Savior of the blacks. He's the God and Savior of the whites and all the colors in between. This coat, we'll find out later, was dipped in blood, was it not? And that's because our coat is washed in the blood of the Lamb. He, ha- They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, Revelation tells us. Another thing about this coat, Joseph's troubles began at the time he obtained his many colored coat as a gift. Those of you who have been born again for a few years, you remember before you were saved, you were living a devil-may-care life. You didn't care. You just went along. You didn't have that many anxieties and troubles. But when you got saved, something changed, didn't it? When I was saved in the Navy, everybody in the shop where I worked, the electronics shop, they turned against me. They didn't want to talk to me anymore. They were always looking, calling me a hypocrite, and all kinds of things. I mean, things changed. I started having trouble. I never got any promotions. I was a, I, I went so high, I never got another promotion after that. All my marks went down. <clears throat> and I could go in, I started having troubles in trials, man after I became a Christian. I never saw before. And that's what happened to Joseph. His brothers hated him. They hated him so bad, they decided to sell him into slavery. He got in Potiphar's house. He got in trouble there, not of his own. He was thrown into prison. And uh, he, while he was there, he uh, worked his way out. So his troubles and trials started with the coat of many colors. And that is typical of the coat of salvation, the Christian's garments of salvation. Because the devil don't care anything about you as long as you're unsaved. You're fine. He may have a demon assigned to you to keep you unsaved. But he's not concerned with you. This world is an attraction all of its own. It will keep you down and keep you in the sewer of life. It's amazing how many people live in the gutter and the sewers and the cesspools of this world. And so the devil's not concerned. But then when you get born again, suddenly the devil takes notice. Demon reports that brother Scoopio got saved. What? He I thought we had him. Well, we did, but the Holy Spirit got a hold of it. Well, do something now. Cause <laughs> trouble and trials. Run his testimony. Uh, stoke up the fires of his temper and his anger. Do anything. That's when my troubles began. And then, in the last one, we have the vestures of fine linen. This speaks of the Christian's glorification. This will happen after this life is over. And we appear with Christ in heaven. We're going to have fine linen, clean and white. Let us be glad, Revelation 19, 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. So what we have here is the first one is the garment of Christian salvation. Now what is this morning's message? I want to focus on the garment Joseph left in this wicked woman's hands. This is the garment of Christian character. Oh how America needs Christian with real Christian character. What's happened? You know, uh, years ago, unsaved people had more Christian character than Christians do today. What's happened? <clears throat> Your Christian character is revealed by how you respond to trials and temptations. We learned that from the parable of the sower. Some was sowed on good, uh, bad ground, you know. It was on the wayside. It was hard. The devil came along, and stole the word out of their heart. We have rocky ground, shallow ground, we have thorny ground. And how do you respond to those things? The shallow ground, you know, you're growing fast. All of a sudden the sun comes out and you shrink away. That's what, that's what we have today. That's right. Uh, old John Bunyan said, as long as Christianity is walking around in its fine clothes, everybody's happy. But then when a little poverty comes along and you have holes in your clothes, <laughs> all of a sudden the Christians disappear. Do you have Christian character? How much do you have? Well, we're going to find out. You may find out tomorrow. You may already have found out. Now historians tell us that Egyptian women were notorious for sex. And they first suspected it when they looked at the hieroglyphics and the paintings on the walls of the tombs in different places in ancient Egypt. They noticed the women were not escorted by men and they didn't wear a veil. When they looked at the other Middle Eastern women, they wore veils and they, there was always a man accompanying, accompanying them in their paintings and, and things on the walls. But the Egyptian women were not. And they said, well, I wonder if these women were wilder. And then later, as they uncovered all kind of evidence, they, they found out these women were wild, man. They were bold. They'd go after sex. So it doesn't surprise us then we find Potiphar's wife doing this. Nice young man, 17 years of age. And so she goes after him. A couple of thousand years later, three or four thousand years later, you find the same thing in France. When the French Revolution came to France they they said, we're not going to have anything to do with Christianity. We're going to be atheists. We're going to be communists. And the morals of France went way down. And the German mothers were warning their sons about the girls of France. If you read the all quiet on the western front, you'll see this German mother warning her son, stay away from the women of France. And the English did that. That's where we get to. I, don't, I better not. <laughs> but anyway, the French went that way because they threw God out. They threw the Bible out. The only religion they had was a watered-down, weak Roman Catholicism, which is nothing. And so, this is what Joseph ran into. This is the garment of Christian character. Temptations come to every Christian. They come to every Christian. Mm -hmm. Don't you know the devil knows that? Mm -hmm. He's watching you. The devil knows you better than your mother. (laughs) This is a perfect situation. Joseph, 17 years old, he's young, he's good looking, the Bible tells us, and he's got raging hormones. He's far away from home. Boy, that makes a difference. Some of y'all gonna go off to college, aren't you? Mom and dad is not around. Your pastor's not around. Who's gonna know? Some of you going to the military. Who's gonna know? <clears throat> you got raging hormones. You're young. You're in your twenties. You know, in every military base they have a strip full of bars and honky-tonks and strip joints and things like that. Why is that?
1: Because there's a bunch of young men and women are far away
0: from home. I believe it was uh, J. Byrne McGee told about the church. and had a traveling salesman in it. <clears throat> and one of the heathens of that town they were in another the traveling salesman went to another town one of the heathens in the town had gone to that same town, and as he walked down the street, there's a burlesque show. And this Christian man <clears> came <throat> out of the burlesque show and he saw him. Why? He's a traveling salesman. He's nobody's gonna know about this. What would you do if you knew that nobody would ever find out about it? Would you embezzle Bob? Steal something. I'm telling you, that will reveal your Christian character. This temptation was every day, day by day. It's one thing, you know, that comes to Mrs. Potter. We better not do this. Because I'll be betraying your husband, I'll be sinning against God okay the next day she comes again and the next day she comes again now she's wearing provocative clothing and I don't know what all she's doing she's putting on perfume putting on a lot of makeup and every single day that will reveal your Christian character what are you going to do then how many times are you going to say no There's got to be some place in a Christian's life where he draws a line and says no, I'm not going to step over that line. Our problem today is we don't have any lines. We don't have any boundaries. I I talked to a few years ago, a young lady and she said, but that's the first boy that came to me and and came to me and, and flirted with me. You know, She was so flattered. Well, that's a sorry excuse. Where's your Christian character? Her husband and his master was gone. They're gone out of the house. The men not in the house. She probably sent the men on errands. She planned this out really good. And so Joseph's going in there to do his business. She sneaks around and grabs his garment. Catches him by surprise. And he left the garment in her hand. He lost his position. She told a lie on him. He may have even lost his reputation. She acted like he exposed himself to her. I know I'm speaking X rated adult things now, but we got. We've got to get down to what the Bible says. She said, this Hebrew that you've got, he's mocking me. Look here. What was Potiphar to think? Now, temptations come to every Christian. Now, the question is, how are you going to respond to temptation? That's your Christian character. What does God say about temptation? James 1, 13 through 5, 15. Let's turn over to James chapter 1. Familiar passage. Beginning verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You're tempted when you're drawn away. Of your own lust and entice. It's not a sin to be tempted. The Lord Jesus Christ was tempted. It's yielded to the temptation. Which is sin. But Jesus didn't yield it. Did and so Joseph is like Christ. He did not yield to the temptation. Hebrews 4.15 For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was at all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He's tempted like we were Mm -hmm. like we are every day Mm -hmm. yet without sin and Joseph was tempted every day Well, how did Joseph respond to the temptation? He fled. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 2, 22, flee also youthful lust. Flee youthful lust. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He fled. That's that's what you do. You Get away. Get away from <clears throat> He was prepared. <clears throat> Genesis 29.3 He was a spiritual person. I believe Joseph prayed every day. I believe in his distress. He talked to the Lord. <clears throat> and then he verbally expressed scriptural principles. He said, how can I do this great evil? Are you sure it's a great evil? She don't think it's a great evil. The culture of Egypt kind of accepts that kind of behavior. Kind of nods at it. It's not that bad a deal, Joseph. But Joseph said it's a great evil. What do we got here in America now? The vilest sins are just passe, aren't they? The Lord Jesus Christ fought Satan with the word of God. Joseph didn't have a bite. But he had scriptural principles. He said, you're his wife. I can't. This is a great evil. We can't do this. <clears throat> That's what we got to do is use the word of God. When I was in the Navy, we'd go on shore patrol and pull into ports. And I guarantee you, the ports in America... My naval bases or army bases, they got these strips of um, ungodly bias of every kind. When you go to foreign ports, they got the same thing. And so, uh, to try to keep the sailors out of trouble. You get shore patrol, and it came out, and we have duty where we every so often we go to shore patrol. We walk around the city, and <clears throat> up and down those alleyways, those hell holes. Oh man, it's 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 bad. You know what I did? I quoted scripture while I was walking up and down to there. I'd say, there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. My partner probably thought I was crazy. I quoted scripture. The Christian response should be the same as Joseph's response. Amen. Leave! Get out of there! Amen. Drive on! The flesh is weak. We might as well accept that and and admit it. Amen. We're no match for the devil and we're no match for this world and its enticements. <clears throat> One of my biggest problems is a big piece of cheesecake. Ooh. A T-bone snake. Of course, I can't have them anymore for a while. I'm looking so forward when this alpha uh, whatever you call it, alpha gal leaves me. Leave it alone. Be away from it. Be prepared. Pray. Get down on your knees and pray. Get close with God. Read the word of God. And be prepared. Be in a place where you can be in communication with God Himself. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit's in communication with you, you're in communication with Him. As you walk down the street or you're driving your car, your buddies, you're talking to each other. <clears throat> Ladies told, used to say they'd be washing dishes, looking out the window, and praying. They just felt like the Lord was in the house with them. Well, he was. He is. I know many of you have been driving down the road praying to God. And you just felt like he was sitting right there talking to you. That's the relationship. And as I've said many times before, we ought to have a relationship with God that's so personal that we think that we're the only ones that have that particular relationship with God. We've got a relationship with God nobody else has, we're friends. <clears throat> That's why Bob Jones Sr. said the Bible critics come out, you know. They're they're like roach they're like roaches, pests. <clears throat> they carry disease. The living of the Pharisees and the Bible critics who says there's no mansions in heaven, you know. Bob Jones Sr. said, "Well, the Lord said there were. I don't think the Lord Jesus would lie to me. Amen, brother. Me and him are friends." You know, that's the way he put it. He wasn't a scholar, but he said, I don't think the Lord lied to him. And so be prepared. Then be true to Christ, as Joseph was to Potiphar's trust. This is admirable. He said, He's my boss. I'm just a slave. I don't even get wages. I'm going to be true to this man. And Potiphar trusted him so well. I mean, he was a 17-year-old kid. But yet, he was more trustworthy. And he was more profitable to Potiphar. The 25-year-old man, you know. <clears throat> and he said, I'm going to do a good job for Potiphar. I know he's a heathen, but I'm going to do a good job. That's what God wants me to do. Be true to Christ, as Joseph was to Potiphar. The Bible says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no not, excuse me, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't make provision for it. That's our response. We should respond the same way Joseph did. We're going to have a coat of many colors. It's our Christian salvation. But then, through life, we're going to have Christian character. Our coat of Christian character. Well, this asks the question, why does God permit temptations? <laughs> oh, boy. People have been asking that for a long time. I've talked to the Lord about it. I said, Lord, you know me. You know I'm so I'm weak as water. <clears throat> Why are you la- letting this happen to me? I'm not talking only about temptations. I'm talking about trials and temptations. Lord, I need some help here. Why does God permit temptations? He permits them to reveal our Christian character. Somebody said. Trials and temptations make the character. No, they don't. It reveals what's already there. Your character, Christian character, comes from going to church, preaching, the teaching of the Word of God, sitting in the pew, listening to God, dedicating your life, coming down this aisle, praying to God, rededicating your life, going home, reading, Bible study, memorization, devotions. Yet the Spirit of God works in that builds your Christian character. Here comes a temptation and you got a flaw in your Christian character. It's to reveal our Christian character. And guess what? We say, hey, you know what? I lose my temper. I lost my temper over that. I got a flaw. So you work on that. God is doing us a favor. Boy, I hate to say that. He's doing us a favor by showing us our flaws and what's that we can work on them. <clears throat> Prayer, Bible reading, fellowship with Christ. Patient endurance. Can you endure it? How long can we by bear with it patiently? It's hard to do sometimes. <clears throat> oh Lord, I fail that test. I've said that more than one. So I'm going to work on it. Lord, I'm going to tire of these tribulations and temptations. And the Lord seems to say to me, well, work on your Christian character. I won't have to anymore. <clears throat> That's what we got to do. What we need in this country, what we need in these churches, our churches is Christian character. Amen. There used to be a time when... <laughs> In the fifties and sixties, the fundamentalists, the Bible-believing fundamentalists, were the purest of of all the religions, and the charismatics and the Pentecostals had a lot of hanky-panky going on. Now that's now we're stuck in it. We got a lot honky-tonks, divorce and remarriage fornication, babies out of wedlock, gambling, lottery, drinking. After all, Brother Scoop, I can't see what harm it to do, just one drink. You know, on and on and on it goes. When, when I was a kid, Christian wouldn't think of doing such a thing as this. When I was growing up in Pikeville, Tennessee, unsaved men wouldn't say cuss words around children. I remember we went to get a meal on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. And a man was talking, and he said, well, your son's in there, I'll tell you later. <clears throat> I never saw anybody drink a beer or whiskey till I was a freshman in high school. I went up north to go to a drum major camp, and the people in Indiana were sitting on our porch drinking beer. I'd never seen that before. Boy, that's out the window now, isn't it? (laughs) Let's get our cooler and and go to the lake, go to the river, go fishing. We don't have any Christian character in this country. Don't you wish some of our politicians would get a little Christian character? Amen, brother. I was so glad to hear one of our uh, representatives say, "You can't stop these shooters." If they're determined to kill little kids, they're going to do it. They're going to plan it. You can't stop them. Right. The only thing you're going to do is take the freedom to defend yourself away from godly, law abiding citizens. Yeah. And everybody knows that except the extreme shallow minded and the deceivers. Amen. So we need to ban assault weapons. No, you don't. It doesn't stop anything. But it's going to leave me unprotected and my children. Now, in conclusion, we've seen that Joseph's coat, garment, they left in the hands of Potiphar's wife was a garment of Christian character. I'm so proud of them for doing that. I'm so happy when I see young people, older people take a stand and they'll say, I'm not stepping over that line. I will not do it. You go ahead if you want to. But I'm not going to do that. I'll have to answer for our judgment day. Temptations come to every Christian. This was a perfect place for her to make her play. Nobody home. Young man, raging hormones. And then she had been tempting him every day. Finally, it'll wear you down. Finally, it'll wear you down. Then we ask this question, how are we going to respond? How are you going to respond in the face of temptation? Strong temptation. I'm not talking about little temptation. Strong temptation. Then we look at what does God say about temptation. We're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. Got to get away from it, man. Flee youthful lust. How did Joseph respond? He fled. He was prepared. He verbally expressed scriptural principles. Tell them scriptural principles. The Lord Jesus Christ fought Satan with the word of God. The Christian's response should be the same. Why does God permit temptations? To reveal our Christian character. And this also goes with trials and tribulations. Trials will wear you down, buddy. I've been wore down where I was like a wet wash rag. I just limp, laying on the ground, man. (laughs) Trials will wear you down. When Job was at his lowest, his wife said, "Why don't you just curse God and die?" I know. I think I know a little bit of how Job felt, but he said, "You're talking like some of the foolish women." When our, reveal, our trials and tribulations and our temptations reveal what kind of character we have, so we can work on it. We're not perfect yet. God's still working on me. The little kids used to sing a song. God's still working on me. Is that right? Amen. Prayer, Bible reading, fellowship with Christ, and patient endurance. Let's just endure it. Patient endurance. The old boys that fought World War II, we had a guy down in the valley. He joined the army before the war broke out. and He got caught in the army when the war broke out and they sent him to Africa. And uh, he got over there, he wasn't in the States. He couldn't go home on furlough. And then he was in Italy. Couldn't go all the way on furlough. He was away from home for four years. And uh, he said, they told us, "Grinning and it, boys. That's a good, you've probably heard that expression. You grin and bear it. Mm-hmm. Persevere, patient endurance. God knows how to instill that in us through the Word of God and prayer. Let's stand to our feet. I would like to have a hymn of invitation. May we stand and pray. <clears throat>